Hey everyone, welcome to JoJo's World. Good evening and Coco Jumbo. Mr. President. Put me up, put me down. My name's Liam S. Smith. I am one of your co-hosts. I'm Nick Ballantyre, the other one of the co-hosts. So, ah, this is our JoJo's Bizarre Adventure recap and discussion podcast, JoJo's World, where we talk about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure one episode at a time until we are done, which will be in approximately 18 weeks, give or take. Let's say four for missed weeks. (laughs) Let's just go ahead and say it will take us about 12 years. It'll take us about six months. Yes. No. A little shy of six months. I guess. And then what happens after that, Liam? What happens? The dark times. <laughs> There's only Jojo. But we're not here to talk about the dark times today. Uh-huh. We're here to talk about Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 5, Vento Oreo, Episode 21, <gasps> The Mystery of King Crimson. I'm loving it. Ah, good choice. Which is, of course, the 134th episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure as a whole. One, three, four. Ah, ah, ah. That's even. Yep. That's a good even number. That makes it the primest (laughs) of numbers. It's the the primest even number. Nick, what's the primest even number? Is it two? It is two. Great. And also, 134. No. And also, this episode covers chapters uh, 519 through 523 of the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure manga release. Nice. That's a number of chapters. That is a prime number of chapters. And I wasn't actually paying attention. How many is it? 519 to 523. It's five! That is a prime number. You hear it here first, folks. It's five. Five is a prime number. So, Nick. Yes. What do you want to talk about today? Um, well, I'm pretty chill talking about prime numbers, <laughs> if you're down for it. Sure. No, I don't want to do that ever. Oh, okay. Nick, do we have any Patreon acknowledgements today? <gasps> Why, Liam, we do. Did you know that this episode is brought to you by the ever-illustrious and... There's that word again. And willing... William A. William A. William A. William A. If ever I've heard of one. Oh, that's the only thing I've got this time. <laughs> like every other one, we're like, we can come up with a pun and then we never do. This is the worst one. Well, it's like William sometimes, A. Sometimes, sometimes you spin off a bit of a golden improv and sometimes you just say a name in a funny voice a few times. Isn't that right, William A? Yeah, William A. Of course, Will. Hmm. Coming from the Latin Will. Of course, William is a uh, popular nickname for the uh, the root name Liam. Is it? No. Oh. In well, fact, it's almost certainly the other way around. That's weird, because I know that I am is often a popular nickname for the root name Nick. That's nothing. What do you mean that's a, You made the... Oh, okay. And of course, Will I Am is a popular nickname mm. of a former member of the Black Eyed Peas. Ah, from the ancient Latin, of course. Mm. Mm, mm. You know, there's many things to be said about the ancient Latin improv of uh, Bill Burr. Well-known Bill ancient... Bill Burr Baggins. Yeah. Well-known ancient Latin comedian and uh, starlet of the times. So beautiful. Who had the nickname William A. Did you know? And that's improv, folks. (laughs) Usually not that great, but you still paid money for it. And that's why you'll know that William A, bit of a a wisdom tip from me to you. Oh. That's right, one of Liam's patented wisdom tips. Trademark. I don't know what this is, so tell me as well. Just hit hit me with it. When your friend invites you to their improv show, Uh say no. (laughs) I saw... Don't be rude. But be blunt and firm. No, I am not coming to your improv show. It's the only way. <laughs> I saw a really bad improv show uh, the night of another one of our friend's birthdays. So, you know, real good Perth reference here. You know the moon? Oh, I love the moon. The moon. Great place. Good pizza. So... <laughs> yeah, we should probably establish that when Nick says, you know, the moon, he's not talking about the, the moon. moon. He's talking about... A restaurant here in Perth, Western Australia. Yeah. Well, it's not really a restaurant. It's more like a weird mess. It's a restaurant. 
Okay, it's a restaurant. It's explicitly a restaurant. Be blunt and firm. When you need to tell someone what the moon is, you say no. Or when you need to tell someone if something is or is not a restaurant. (laughs) You say no, it is a restaurant. (laughs) It's the only way. Um, Yeah, we had to see a really bad improv show where they were pretending to be three of the Wiggles. (laughs) But not the fourth. Not Jeff. Ah. Yeah, it was just the other three. But Jeff is the one... Jeff is the one whose name people know. Exactly. And we all know why. Because he's lovable and adored by fans. I want to clarify that I do like improv, but... Not the bad improv. (laughs) Not your friend's bad improv show that they make you come to. Yeah, there were a lot of people there who weren't laughing, but were very obviously smiling and nodding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And meanwhile, the 12 of us sitting in the middle of the room were like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, we didn't know there was an improv show that night, so uh, (laughs) it was bad. It was real bad. Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. The mystery of Kring, of Kring Kimson. The mystery of Krangus Crampton. I don't know what that was, but you know what? We can go with it. The mystery of Krang, the little brain guy <laughs> from Ninja Turtles. He had to walk for the first time in his entire life with those tiny little brain legs that he's got. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. Oh no, poor Krang. How did he get into it? Into what? Into his like mechanised floaty suit thing. Let's ask the Shredder to do it for him. Did Shredder, he? pick me up. <laughs> I want upsies. Yeah, but he's not like that fish from um, Earthworm Jim, who's all like, lift me, henchman. And then he gets carried around by his henchman, you know, but he's just in the bowl. What did you think of this episode, Nick? I liked it. I liked this episode. <laughs> yep. I thought it was good. It was to the point. It was. I was about to say it's firm, but that doesn't make any sense. It changed the game. Did it? I mean, it changed it a bit. It changed the status quo. Yeah, we've now got other people coming for us. Yeah, now they're traitors. Mm. Now they're definitely against the mob. Even though before they were only kind of against they're, the mob. They were just morally against the mob while yeah. being part of the mob. Now they're, they're not part of the mob. So how are they going to clean up? They'll just kill the rest of the mob. Ah. It's genius. If you're it's ever, the perfect crime. It's a victimless crime, really. Yeah, if you're ever a victim of... Uh, crime. Of crime... Just kill everyone that's doing the other crime. That's a patented Jojo's World wise word or whatever that thing I said before was. (laughs) You mean a tip? Is that what it is? Last time we left off with Bruno Bucciarati abruptly having a hole put in his chest by a big fist. We pick up right where the action left off when Narantia is eating all the chocolates on the boat. That fuck. (laughs) Mister is then being like, hey, don't eat all the chocolates, you little shit. Meanwhile, Giorno Giovanna has his mind on the mission of being like, ah, yes, the brooch is moving from the top of the tower to the charnel house. Isn't it carnal? I doubt it. But it's in Italy, so it's a CH. But I think that's a translated word. No. Charnel? Charnel house. Carnal, charnel? A vault or building where human skeletal remains are stored, often built near churches for depositing bones that are unearthed while digging graves. Hmm. Feels like that's a result of poor graveyard planning if you're (laughs) unearthing the bones while digging the graves. Or maybe that's exactly how it has always been and we never knew. So hang on. Is it carnal? Let me get this straight. Yes. You're digging the grave for the fresh body you have. Uh Uh-huh. You unearth the bones. Mm -hmm. You've got a grave there. Yeah. But it's not for them, it's for someone else. But occupied. What? Yeah. By the new person, <laughs> not this fuck. Oh, He's already dead. All this ridiculous um, gentrification of the, funer- of the funerary crowns. <laughs> well, you know, maybe you should think more responsibly than burying yourself underground and... You know, Turning into up, bones. Yeah, and taking up someone else's grave. Be responsible. Bury yourself in fire and turn into ash. Mm, and only then will we then go, oh, this guy's taking up so much space with his ash. How do we pronounce it? Come on. Charnel. Damn it, it's Charnel. House. The Charnel House. Wait, but you didn't go for the... He's moving into the Charnel House. The Charnel House. Charnel House. (laughs) So, um, meanwhile, Fugo's like, excuse me, Giorno, could you please pan me that water over there? And Giorno's all like, I guess. Also, Giorno, you should stay on the boat. We were told to stay on the boat and we'll never disobey our orders. Jono's all like, do what I want, I'm off the boat, whatever. I'm just hanging out here on the steps like a real cool guy with my laptop. Yep, he's uh, tracking Bruno, he's all like, hmm, 
Mm, he must have gone downstairs mm, mm, into the charnel house. Mm. Mm, yes, is it, and he's like, let me Google that. Is it charnel or carnal? Oh, yeah. mm, mm. Hang on, UK pronunciation. Charnel. Ah, yes, yes. Now that I've wasted that time, have some water. There's a sound of building tension. It reaches a crescendo. And all the chocolates are gone. And Naranchi is like, you took all the chocolates, mister. Unaware in that very moment that his mouth is stuffed full of delicious chocolates. My. God, Mr. then points out his hypocrisy to him. And I really like that like, rapturous face that he makes. <laughs> well, just like a, oh, but how did I get to Such chocolate? sweet chocolates in my mouth. Oh. <laughs> but he, he never knew. And then Fugo's got the water and he's like, glug, 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 glug. I didn't thank you for the water. And Giorno's like, huh? I never gave you the water. And Giorno looks down on his body and there's like cat paw prints all over him now. Because we'd seen some cats in a shop previously. And without us being aware of it, they passed over his body. <gasps> How? How? How is such a thing possible? And then Jordan looks at the camera and he's superimposed on the scene and he says, Something's bizarre. The greatest piece of dialogue <laughs> to ever hit Western screens since... A train pulling into the station. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I was going to say I can even lift this boulder, but you know what? No. We've moved on. <laughs> So he's like, something odd's going on. And then Abakio is like, hey, Giorno, you're not meant to be on the land. You're meant to be on the boat. You fucker. I would never get off the boat. Abakio's off the boat with his hand on the shoulder. He's like, ah, well, this is awkward now, isn't it? Oh, I'm a hypocrite. Oh, no. Something strange is going on. I, Giorno Giovanna, better pull out my cell phone, call my friend Bruno and run towards the church. Cut two. Big hole through Bruno's chest. <laughs> He's fine. He'll live. It'll be great. He's, he's remarkably in control of himself for having something so traumatic start to happen. Because what does he do with that big hole in his chest? He just kind of retaliates. Well, he, uh, he does that one thing that he always does with everything, which is put a zip on it. Ah. And he zips up either side of that hole, thereby trapping that arm in his chest, restricting the boss's movement, allowing him to strike back. The boss is like, he's trapped me. With zips. But the fool, I'm more powerful than him still. I've got time powers. So he then time powers out of it. Yep. So he activates and we see from his perspective the activation of King Crimson. Wait, no, that's Iron Man. (laughs) Great, wonderful. (laughs) I was going to try and do 21st century schizoid man, Liam. 21st century... Why wouldn't you do in the court of the Crimson King? Shit. Like we talked about last week. Shit. (laughs) That's a good point. Everything goes sort of like black background with red outlines. Mm -hmm. And in in the moment he activates it, we also see like the ground and the scenery like split and fall away into time. And he's all like, yes, I've ascended beyond the need for thinking. And there's lots of like... I've written down lots of after images and before images. And I think that's an accurate description. It really is. So basically Zipper Man. Sticky fingers. Thank you. Is coming out to try and punch uh, King Crimson. Yep. And we see like red outlines of where the fist is actually going to go. Yep. And then the normal like regular image of blue uh, Zipper Man. Go on. Oh, damn it. Uh, (laughs) Actually meets up precisely where the red before images were. I've seen your attack in the future. The time disappears and no one remembers the moments they made within the array's time. Mm -hmm. Why, all that remains is the results. A flame that's been extinguished doesn't even remember the moment it went out. I am the only one who can react to these movements. Anyway, the punch misses, and then he does a big karate chop down Bruno's chest, down to, like, his heart from oh, his shoulder. Oh, a bit further than his heart. It came down to, like, his kidneys. Yeah. And it's, like, right through his left shoulder, all the way down to da- his kidney. Down that flank. Right down there. Mm. He could be a piece of, like, cut-up beef now. Like, he's missing... You know, so I much. always thought Bruno was a piece of cut-up beef, if you know what I'm saying. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't, because that's... What? <laughs> I'm sorry? Um, yep, so Bruno's in a bad way, and the boss is like, Bruno Bucciarati, everyone goes through their ups and downs. <laughs> you went up, and now I chop you down. Yeah. 
but I know the future. I can see the future with my special powers. And when I can do that, nothing can ever touch me. I'm the boss. Who's the boss? I'm the boss. <laughs> the boss. Trademark. I've got two faces and then a stand. Two faces, like my favourite Batman villain. Two-face. We already went over this we when talked we were about watching. This during the episode. So, he has one face. Who does? Two-face. Yeah, Two-face has one face. But it's just two halves of a face. Yeah. So they ought to call him One Face. Yeah. Because he's got one face. And two halves of one face equals one face. Exactly. Hi, Batman. I'm One Face. Flip my coin. Yep, my coin has one head face on it. And what about the other side? They also call me One Tail. Because of how I have a tail. I'm Two Face. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, are you okay? Are you doing all I'm right? I'm having a great time. I was just thinking, if he's now called One Face instead of Two Face, it's like, yeah... My lucky one-sided coin. Ding! It uh, never lands. That's it only right. has one side. No, I was going to say it's a ball. Ah. Yeah. If it's if it lands outside up. Well, my non-Euclidean coin with one face. <laughs> but how do you throw it up? That's the beauty of it. I throw it forwards through time. What? But I don't remember that happening. Was this your card? <gasps> wow. Are you my like my credit card? Are you like that magician, Two-Face? That's right, I'm Two-Face. The No, I'm One-Face. The, the cr- one crime-committing magician with a tail. <laughs> so called because of the two halves of the face that I have and not any of my other distinguishing features. Two-Face just walks up and goes, there can only be one Two-Face in this town. He's like, no, I'm One-Face. <laughs> well, that's perfectly reasonable then. Ding! The coin agrees. <laughs> okay, so... So all the time we're seeing the boss in this episode, we're never getting a good look at him. Mm-hmm. We're only ever seeing King Crimson, and then sometimes there's a shadowy figure of the boss behind him. But most of the time it's basically just King Crimson being there, like, oh, I'm King Crimson, I'm up in the mix. He's like a shadowy figure where we see his eyes just behind King Crimson. And I'll, I'll give you a hint weird. for um for when we, when we finally see the boss in all his glory. Uh-huh. His silhouette... Would not look like that. Oh, oh, okay. He's got some. He's got some dramatic accents that would have been present in that silhouette. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Bit of fun. All right. Maybe is it just because of clothes? It's just or... that shadowy. Oh shit! But is it just clothes, or is it? You'll see. Mm. You'll see. You'll all see. Uh, he glowers down at Trish, being like, "Yes, Trish. Now that I look at you, I can tell we indeed are related. Which means if you were to look at me." You could tell the same thing. So I'm going to have to kill you. Mirroring how back when in the climax of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3 Stardust Crusaders. Uh-huh. Jotaro and Dio and Joseph could all kind of sense each other because of bloodlines and shit. Mm. Mm. Just like in real life. It is you just see like your dad life. who you've never met before across a crowded room and be like, that's my dad. He looks like me. He smells like me. I can tell he's approximately 100 metres ahead of me through our blood link. <laughs> Through your blood link. Yeah. Yes, we share the same veins. See? And it's just veins. It's true. It is just veins. It's just veins. Yep. Man, that'd be a terrible twist in like a Twilight Zone episode where it's like... but how Literal you... bloodlines. Literal bloodlines. That's lines. gross. I don't like thinking about that. And it's like, but how did you know I was here? Lift's arm. You see the veins coming out my arm? Now look at your arm. <gasps> what? <laughs> how did I not know about this? I'm 31 years old. <laughs> Uh, but Bruno is still at it. He's like dragging himself up. We're like, oh, I'm Bruno. Now, I was amazed that he could A, move his arm, B, move at all, move at all, and C, keep that part of his body from like, like falling uh, off. Gosh, if only he had access to some sort of connective mechanism. Some sort of, um, maybe some sort of like interlocking series of metal teeth that could hold a thing together. Oh, like a nut and bolt. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why they call them um, Bolt Dude instead of Zipper Man. Bolt Dude. There's a really good sound effect here. Is it? Hang on. Can I try and remember what it is? <laughs> yep. So I, rem- I distinctly remember the start of it was dog. Mm-hmm. And I went, dog? Is it like dog? Doggyun? Doggyun. What is dog? It's like a big booming sound effect. <laughs> but what is that? We've encountered, we've encountered Doggyun before in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Have we? Yeah. Oh. I'm, I'm 90% certain of that. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. As, whoa, something strange happens. We also hear a verbal, not visual sound effect as we hear the um, the gold experience sound. <gasps> that sort of 
tinkling sound, which means something's being imbued with life. Yeah. That sound. Perfect. Thank Perfect you. rendition. Thank I'm you. sure that definitely got picked up by the microphone. <laughs> and if it didn't, then fuck all y'all. Yeah. As what happens? Why the brooch, which was imbued with life and turned into a tracking device, sucks the boss into it. And Bruno is like, oh yes, of course. Giorno must have implanted some of the turtle's cells into the brooch, giving it the turtle stand, thereby... In this moment when he activates his power, uh-huh. creating a new second Coco Jumbo, which sucks the boss into it, interrupting what assuredly would have been a fatal attack. Yes. Sure. So stupid. Now there's just two <laughs> turtles. Now there's double turtle action. But what's this one's name? Does it have a name? No. Well, what kind of travesty is that? This turtle never appears again. <laughs> Not even in this episode. Well, briefly. Does it? It's Banish, and then it never comes back. Wait, it's Banish? Yeah, because Bruno drags himself up. He's like, oh man, he's got future powers. See the future, erase the future. Troubling. But I have zips. Pulls a zip out under that turtle, banishes that turtle to the sewers, <sighs> where it and the boss float away. That's right. I forgot that. And the turtle's all like, <laughs> I'm a turtle. This is not my natural habitat. Oh, I don't know about that, Nick. You really think that the turtles live in the sewers? Yeah. What else should they do? Learn kung fu? <laughs> Ninjutsu! <laughs> <laughs> and only a rat can teach them. No, only a mutant rat can teach them. Well, it depends how you want to slice that, depending on the particular Ninja Turtles continuity we're talking about, in which Master Splinter could either be a uh, giant rat mutated to be giant and bipedal and intelligent, or yep. alternatively, in some tellings of it, mm-hmm. in some tellings of the Ninja Turtles myth, mm-hmm. um, a, a giant, a regular-sized person mutated to be all rat-like. The Ninja Turtle myth. Yeah, the myth, the modern myth of the Ninja Turtles. Could you imagine, like, what's, what's the, um, you the, know those stained glass windows... In uh, churches and such? Yeah, yeah, that are like really detailed yeah. and like very specific lines that make it look all regal. And there's regal. like scenes from the Bible in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So imagine that, but just Ninja Turtles. It's that, but it's when uh, atop the Foot Clan Tower, uh, Leonardo wielded a magic sword with a glove and mm. leapt through the air and cut off the Shredder's head. And lo, beholden was the Shredder. For Splint, the Rat King, was saved. Oh, no, it's Splinter. No, it's Splinter. Liam, I feel like a heretic. (laughs) Cool. Yep. And then they all had a big pizza party. Cowabunga, dudes. Would that make... Do you reckon if we started the church of the Mm. mutant turtle... We'd get sued. No, no, no. But if we just started... Oh, but we have religious exemptions. Exactly. Right? So every Saturday, I would say every Saturday... Saturday morning. Every Saturday morning... You the come best time church. to watch cartoons. Yes, you come into church, which is obviously in the sewers. Yeah, of course. Um, and you get free pizza because it is the holy food. <sighs> Nothing like snacking down on a delicious slice of takeout pizza in a sewer. Man, you know what? That sounds like a pretty good life. <laughs> and then, at the end of the day, we give everyone we give everyone a pet rat. Bruno banishes the boss to the sewer and starts dragging himself and Trish up the stairs. But then the boss is back and it... The boss is back, baby, and he's, he's back. sitting on the stairs, all casual and sexy. And he's all like, yeah, you do realise I can see into the future. Yeah, I'm this... back. Uh, I'm the boss. I'm uh, invincible. Like, what, what were you expecting here, buddy? There must be another traitor, because you don't have the power to do that. The newbie, Giorno Giovanna. I know his name. I'm the boss. Because mm, he, he hired him. He must have joined, intending to betray me all along. <gasps> what? And he, can, he perverted you to his cause, Bruno Bucciarati. I'm so disappointed in you. You, like so many mutant turtles, have disappointed me. Speak on that. Well, you know when you grow up and you go... I haven't done that yet. No, that's fair. That's fair. I was about to go... Wait, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, you know when you grow up and you realise that turtles don't live in sewers? They live in swamps and shit. Yeah. And the ocean. So you'd need to mutate that like little turtle pretty hard to make him live in a sewer. They weren't mutated pretty hard. They were. But I've never seen a mutated turtle before. Or since. It just disappoints me. It's just... (sighs) And of course, Casey Jones is up in the mix. Isn't Casey Jones' power just that he wears a hockey mask and beats people? He's just like a street tough. He doesn't have power. He knows what he's about. Yeah. Gungala is what he says. What does that mean? Nothing. (laughs) Excellent choice. 
Then you've got, what's her face? April O'Neil. April O'Neil. Always Famous wearing... reporter or in some continuities, psychic teen. Why psychic? It's cool. Yeah, that's fair. Was she mutated? No. Was she experimented on? Oh, when she has psychic powers? Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Don't really watch that show. New continuity. She has psychic powers. She has sidekick powers. She has sidekick powers. She's really... Oh, no, all the Ninja Turtles have sidekick powers because they're really good at doing sidekicks. <laughs> oh. Have I ruined the bit now? Can we keep going? The boss is back. He's going to kill Bruno. He's like, no, he's going to kill Trish. And he's like, Bruno, just just give up and die peacefully with a massive side wound. Yep. You um, won't reach the first floor, but you'll die. So that works for me. Uh, so then Bruno's all like, you know... I know the one trick that you don't want me to know, which is that I know that you know that I know time powers. I know that you know exactly what I'm going to do. So what I'm going to do is do something so elaborate you could never possibly foresee what it is I'm doing. Because it's ridiculous. I'm Bruno. I Remember how... I was thinking about this a lot the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. How Bruno licked Giorno's face to see if he was lying. Yeah. Possibly as an intimidation tactic. Yeah. But he's never really shown that interest in deception since. Mm, yep, yep, okay. I was just thinking about that. A salient issue, I would say, seeing as the boss's whole regime is built around deception vis-a-vis his identity. Yeah, but we know that he can have time powers. And we know that he's all... That's not what I was questioning. Yeah, but like, he doesn't need to test for deception, does he? If he knows that he has time powers. And then he's all like, well, he's telling the truth. But his identity. Mmm, the boss. Who is he? I mean, he's probably Dio. Ah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Reform. Yoshikage of... Kira. If he's Yoshikage he's Kira. He's not Yoshikage Kira. I want to talk about this a bit more when we learn more about the boss. Okay. But my, my read, much like everything in part five, mm-hmm. is that it's very referential thematically to previous Jojo parts mm. and that the boss represents the combination of Dio and Kira's ethoses. You mean Ethi? Ethoses? Ithlum. Ithaca. Ithaca. What do you think about that? Ithaca? No, the thing that I said. Oh, no, I don't know, because I haven't met who the boss is yet. So it's kind of hard to be like, yeah, I agree, when I'm like, oh, he has time powers. Mm -hmm. I've never seen his face. Well, no, actually, I think think you have enough context for me to explain and talk about it without it being a spoilery thing. The boss wants to keep his identity secret at any cost. I got that. And he wants to rule over his crime organisation, which presumably he wants to grow as much as he can. Yeah. So that's like a sort of synthesis of... You know, Dio's ceaseless drive for world domination yeah. combined with Kira's silent life, yeah. living in the background, anonymity. Yep, yep. Living a peaceful samurai life. Mm-hmm. Except this time it's living a peaceful mobster life, which seems at odds with itself. While dominating the world. Yeah. But he doesn't want to dominate the world, does he? Ah, you know, set your sights high, <laughs> boss. <laughs> Keep the crime syndicate going crime as far as it can. It's going to grow, you know. I mean, true. Urban development does lend itself better to crime. And it does lawful action. Mm. Truly a modern take on society's downfall. Okay, let's keep going. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. (laughs) Seeing as we kind of lost our steam with the recap, (laughs) let's just do a quick um, quick, uh, JoJo Vele commentary on King Crimson. Okay. I'm only sharing the first half of it because the second half is spoilery about the boss's identity. Mad spoils. Is is his identity special in some way? Like linked to someone? Not really. He's just a guy. Mm, Okay. All right. But he's got backstory. Oh. Such backstory, the likes of which you could never dream of. Not really a huge fan of him, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) He woke up one day and said, I want to shoot this guy. So he did. King Crimson by Hirohiko Araki. Hit me with it. It was shocking how, in the movie Total Recall, there was a guy with an extra face on his belly, with its own personality. And then the second half of that sentence is a note about the boss's visual design. Okay. Not the stand, the boss himself. What? How does that... Okay, sure. So, vis-a-vis King Grimson. Yeah. It was shocking how in the movie Total Recall, there was a guy with an extra face on his belly with its own personality. (laughs) Okay, all right. Now I'm just thinking that the boss's stand is like overpowering the boss. We're going to return to this note when we have full context for it, I think. Okay. Um, Because there is more to talk about here. Yeah, Uh, than just... It was a shame in the Total Recall movie how there was a man. (laughs) 
in my ear with a shame. <laughs> oh, such a shame that that it's man had another face in his belly with its own personality. <laughs> um, no, there's more to talk about here in terms of things we learn about the boss in the future. So we'll come back to it then. Um, but I think it is interesting how so much of the note mm-hmm. is devoted to talking about the boss mm. himself, not the stand, mm. because the line, I think more than any other recurring significant stand user we meet is blurred between them in that, you know, the figure of the boss is just this shadowy figure behind the stand there and it's a resplendent glory which which yeah. moves its mouth and vocalises the speech. Hmm, which is really weird given that we haven't really had other stands do that. We've had, you know, some, for instance, part three enemy stands yeah. where we couldn't find the stand user like that magician, uh, sorry, uh, genie. The genie? Yeah. Oh yeah, the genie! True. And you know, the, um, the weird thing that grew out of mm-hmm. Joseph's arm. Echoes Act 3. Echoes Act 3. But it's never been like a sentient stand so much as, oh, I'm just doing my job, you know? Mm. This one's really talking. <laughs> this guy's <laughs> Look all who's talking it. now. This guy's like, hey, I'll tell you what, come get some coffee. We'll, uh, we'll have a chat and uh, maybe um, I'll kill you. It'll be great. All right, let's keep going. Okay. So, Bruno hatches that elaborate scheme that I alluded to about 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Where he, it appears he's going to do a big punch real quick and... No, not, not even so. The, the plan is even more needlessly elaborate that I forgot about. Actually, no. I'm going to correct myself. <laughs> this ne- is how elaborate it is. Needfully elaborate to get around time prediction powers. There you go. Um, where first he's like reeling in this huge stream of zips being like, I knew you'd return. Here comes the punch. He sees the punch coming. He grazes his cheek, putting a small zip there, but then he activates his power, gets out of the way, and is otherwise unharmed. Mm-hmm. And he Crimson sees... then walks around him and goes, you idiot. Ah, uh, yes, I see the punch was going through here. And then it's just going to harmlessly clatter off that pillar over there. You fool. You fool. You nearly had me going for a second, but you're a fool. Did you really think you could beat time powers? Yeah. No one's done that before. Come on. Um, And then time... Uh, I suppose causality resumes? Is that how we're going to phrase it? No, not quite causal. How about remembered time? Because no we, one... we re-enter normal time. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, and things go as the boss expected. He is not punched anymore. But then Bruno's like, Haha, I knew you could only see mere moments into the future and you couldn't see that I was doing this. Zip! And he zips himself and Trish up the wall into the ceiling and escapes. And he's all like, I'll see you on the first floor. That wasn't quite as cool as my other lines have been. <laughs> because we took a moment there to talk about how um, the, the issue with understanding and articulating King Crimson's power, which yep. we, we talked about previously, yep. I want to highlight uh, a bit of Twitter correspondence we got this past week. Okay. I do love me some correspondence. This is from um, Jake, or Vitamin Detai, long-term listener, my first man. time... Twitterer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. Um, who writes, you know um, the broke, woke, bespoke meme? meme? No. Where you, like you say the broke thing is the thing that sucks. The woke thing is the more common sense thing. Oh. And the bespoke thing is like the, the true galaxy yeah, yeah, brain yeah. take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I know the one now. Yep. Broke. King Crimson doesn't make sense. It just works. Woke. King Crimson makes sense. The old translation just made it confusing. Bespoke. King Crimson's basic ability makes sense, but because its limitations are inconsistent, you have to accept that it just works. <laughs> and then follow-up tweet, I will die on this hill. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I think that's not a, not an unfair stance to take. Yeah. It, it seems like the limitations are weirdly inconsistent <laughs> because at any point he could just kill someone in the forgotten time, but he never does. Not yet. Ooh. Ooh. Watch out, Trish. <laughs> yeah, so he escapes through the ceiling and then there's a shot of him being like, I escaped through the ceiling. Zip. <laughs> Zips the... So he zips... We see him zipping the whole clothes. Mm-hmm. But then in the next scene, Jono comes in and it's wide open. Yeah. Yeah, what about it? <laughs> Welcome to Jojo's, baby! <laughs> Jono runs in and he finds Trish and Bruno. He's like, oh no, Bruno, you're so wounded. Half of your fucking torso is ripped in twain. He does his whoop. And is all healed. Yep. And um, he's looking around being like, where's the boss? Oh, big zip hole in the floor. Oh, he should be nearby, but I can't see him. Looking down the hole and we see in the background of that shot, death steam start to emanate <gasps> from Bruno Bucciarati. No, not Bruno. 
He was so alive! And then he looks back at him, noticing the death steam. And he's like, no, Bruno! And he sees that there's a fly walking on his eye. He's all like, oh, no! The subtle implication that Bruno Bucciarati is a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> like at the end of Psycho. What? He's, I mean... He's, you know, when Norman Bates has just like lost it and like there's a fly walking on his eye and he's like, I'm not even going to slap this fly. I guess. No, I guess. Um, Nick, what do you think the subtle implication of the fly walking on his eye is here when he's catatonic, not responding? That he's still alive. Ah. Maybe. And like the zip that's holding open the crater in the floor dissolves. Just leaving, leaving a huge crater in the floor. just an open hole. The zip on Trisha's wrist dissolves. Leaving a, a wrist that's, I guess, kind of healed, yeah, and but not really. Jonah's like, no, but I, I put him back together. Come on. I'm learning a difficult lesson like what Josuke did at the start of part four, Diamond is Unbreakable. At the start? Yeah. When, when he his tried grandpa to... dies. Yeah. That's a bit different, though. He knew his grandpa for years. Maybe his whole life. He only knew Bruno for like three days. That's not the lesson I'm trying to impart here. Oh, okay. All right. What is the lesson you then? can't bring back the dead. <gasps> You can't. Or can you? Because then he's leaning over the body of Bruno Bucciarati <laughs> and then Bruno's ghost appears behind him and is like, Giorno, you gotta run. Go get the others. And then sort of like shoops forward and disappears. And then Giorno, Giorno turns around. It's like, what? And then Bruno's body wakes up and is like, I said you gotta go get the others. Weren't you listening, you dumb shit? Were you listening to my ghost? Come on, let's go. Nick, what do you think's going on there? I have a lot of theories, Liam. I have a lot of theories. Give me three. He's a zombie now. Yep. He he did die, and now Giorno has reanimated him using Golden Wind. Mm -hmm. But he's not Bruno. He's just like, quote unquote oh, Bruno. He's like the mechanical meat of Bruno without exactly. the true soul of him. Exactly. So Bruno's ghost is all the way over there, just ascending to Italian heaven, <laughs> which, as we all know, is a restaurant that serves... The best food in the world. It's called Italian heaven. It's called Italian heaven. That feels a bit on the nose. <laughs> I could make so many jokes about that line. But anyway, because Italy is a restaurant with, with people in it. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I'm going with that. Okay. Anyway, he might so be So you like, couldn't make that many jokes No, about I thought I could, but... <laughs> uh, and third is that Bruno is dead. He's just still breathing. So he's not a zombie, because zombie would be all like, mm -hmm. uh, kind of thing. Um, but... But his, that... his body is dead, but it's still moving? Yes, exactly. So it's like, it's going to decompose and it's just going to fall apart. Mm. Whereas a zombie would just kind of get to a point and then it would stop decomposing. Right. You know, like uh, all those old school zombies that when they start walking around, they're actually looking like humans, but they're just a little bloodied because they're, you know, cut up. You know? Sure, yeah. I know. Yeah, you know. I know what I'm talking about. you got to get the others. So Jono gets the others by turning... The laptop into a flying fish, mm -hmm. hucking it across the room, down the corridor, so that it smashes into a wall near the others, turning back into a laptop. And they're like, oh, they're over there. I mean, no offence, but good plan. Good plan. Good plan. Just the right amount of elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> Just the correct amount of, but why? <laughs> Do you reckon Hirohiko was like, hmm, I need more practice drawing fish. Oh, fuck it, I can fit one in here. Yeah. And meanwhile, the boss has been, like, climbing out of that pit. But now he's like, oh, no, the others are coming. Even with my amazing powers, it would be really hard to fight six stand users without revealing my identity. Hmm. Gotta go. Gotta let them go. This does raise the question of how close he has to be to... Or rather, how close the stand has to be to him in order to use his time powers. Well, the time powers... Much like I assume the world and Bites the Dust mm -hmm. uh, seem to be universal. Like, time is, just a, is affected everywhere. Yeah. Time is a universal constant. Because mm. when he was up in the tower, or um, or down in the basement, rather, you know, time things were happening out on the boat. Yeah. Time. Now, here's the thing. If he's walking away from the boss's body, why do we keep referring to Kim Crimson as he? It's a stand. It's just... Anyway... If the if the boss's stand, King Crimson, yep. is walking away from the boss, can he still use the time powers? I don't think the stand can get that far away from him. Well, that's the thing. 
Would that mean that the boss would have to climb up as yeah, well? Yeah, I assume so. So that means that raises interesting implications regarding how far away can he be? Because if he could just hang on the ledge and let his stand do his stuff, uh, not a problem. But not let them get close to the edge and look at him. Exactly. <laughs> you know, if you just leave your fingers there, like, whose fingers are those? It's hard to tell. But also hanging from a thing like that while having a life and death battle, not easy. Well, if you're anyone but the boss. Restricts your mobility. Mm-hmm. Not the stands, though. No, because I can only get so far from you. That's true, that's true. Yeah, okay. Not a good tactical move, Nick. Unless you stop time. Unless you skip time. Yeah. I wonder what's stopping him from just constantly skipping time. Just to time. mess with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try and get anything done now, assholes. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. They're like, wait, but we were here not more than a moment ago. Why do we keep moving? Where did I get this pizza from? I can even lift this boulder. What's going on? So they're all like, okay, we got to get out of here, the boss. And the boss is like, I'll let you escape, but you'll never leave Venice. Weird choice, but okay. So they have to stay in Venice forever. Oh no. What a shame. So they get back out the front with everyone else and they're like, wow, why have we still got Trish? Why are you so injured? What's going on? We're so confused. And Bruno's all like, well, boys, I have a dream. A golden dream. A zipper-based dream. <laughs> Jono's on the side being like, a golden motherfucking what now? I also have a dream. That was my dream. But this dream. is Bruno's moment, so I'll let him have it. <laughs> um, so Bruno's all like, look boys. We've reached a turning point in our lives. A sort of fork stuck in the road. <laughs> One could say that we've reached a point where the zip has been opened. And we must pick which side of the zip we wish to traverse. Not like the zipper anymore, lads. We've reached the end of that. Now the coat's open. Now, oh. now we've got to pick which one. Do we go on the zipper side or the zipperless side? Boss wanted to kill his daughter. Like, that's <laughs> fucked up, right? Yes. So what, what that means is um, Bruno couldn't accept the boss killing his daughter. A uh, bad decision by a bad person. Yep. Uh, so I'm Worse than drugs. So I decided to betray him. Mm -hmm. Uh me and Jorno, we've been plotting this for a while. He's he's up in the mix. Jorno's like, I'm I'm with you, buddy. But uh, I'm just gonna stay in the back. So I'm gonna leave. Can't ask you to come with me. That's too much. Mm -hmm. So Jorno says, uh, yes, but Bruno, we need people. And then Abakio's like, what the fuck, Jorno? <laughs> and goes and shirt fronts him. Literally the first thing Jorno has said. <laughs> And Abakio's like, listening to Bruno going, I decided to betray him. He was wrong. I couldn't do it. I'm not going to ask for your help. But you know what? If you want to come with us, I won't say no. And Jorno just goes, yeah. And Abakio goes, what the fuck is wrong with you? You dare speak, Jorno. How dare you? <laughs> you know what? Fuck you, Jorno. I'm showing up. <laughs> Bruno has a moment where he collapses and breathes heavily for a moment. Everyone's like, what's wrong? Oh, I, I just lost a lot of blood. I'm a little dizzy. But wait! Jorno internal monologue. That's not possible. I replaced all his blood. I gave him back all his organs. And when I look down at the ground, a nail has pierced his, um, or a splinter or whatever, yeah. has pierced his hand and he's not even reacted. He doesn't feel pain. Am I just seeing things? Is this part of King Crimson? Uh. Have I done something very wrong? <laughs> I'm getting on the boat. Can't tell you guys to get on the boat. If you get on the boat, come with me. This that'll, is, be, that'll be great. This is one of the most literal interpretations of missing the boat you're ever going to see. But you'll be traitors. We'll all get killed by the boss, but we won't. Because I know I'm right morally and that I'll win. I'm not missing this boat, okay? I'm Bruno Bucciarati. Venice has probably been blockaded. You've got no obligation to come with me. But I'm doing the right thing and I hope you will. More details at five. Yep. So then everyone's like, oh god. This is pretty intense stuff. Well... I guess none of us are going to come with you. Fugo takes the lead as the opposing viewpoint. He's like, how could you be so emotional? How could you do this to us? Yeah. Yeah, Jorno. Abakio takes a walk and sits on that little thing. Little, um, the little thing that you tie on a boat to the, the dock the rope, with. The rope holder. Yeah. The thing that you tie the boat onto at the jetty. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, oh God, Fugo's right because, you know, it's basically suicide to go against the boss. Nowhere will be safe for you. It's ridiculous. And more to the point, I pledge my loyalty to the organisation, not to you. Mm. So it's ridiculous for you to expect us to come with you. I'm coming with you. You're what? He's like, oh, I only ever felt at ease when I was near you, Bruno. I, I see. 
weird flex, but what, okay. What a strong homoerotic overtones yeah, here. Yeah, it's good. Until that Jorno Giovanna came between us. <laughs> you know what? You're saying a lot of shit about his golden dream. Let me rem- <laughs> let me remind you about my very grey muted dream. <laughs> Fugo's incredulous that Abakio's in, then Mister's like, yeah, fuck it, I don't care. I'll come with yeah. you. He's pretty easy going about the whole thing. Like, oh, yeah, Bruno's pretty cool. Yeah, he's like, yeah, Bruno, yeah. yeah. And then he gets real close to Giorno. He's like, you know, Bruno's pretty great. Yeah, he's going to make me a capo when we win this, I'm pretty sure. Pretty smart, isn't it? Uh, anyway, see I'm, you later. I'm Mr. <laughs> Tapnose. <laughs> what, what the? Wait a minute. The Tapnose happens... After he says, I'm Mister. Yeah. No, don't tell anyone. Jono's like, what, you are Mister. What are you talking about? It's like, yeah, I'm Mister. Mister yeah. looks back. Mister looks back and is like, what now, Fugo? And Fugo's all like, no, still no. Meanwhile, Narantia has been totally unresponsive and is like sweating up a storm. And he's all like, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do. What do I do? Tell me. Tell me what to do. Bruno, what do I do? I can't tell you what to do, Narantia. You need to self-actualize in this moment. But I'm very bad at that. <laughs> Look, Abakio and Mr. and Giorno and me, we're all self-actualized. We're making our own decisions as individuals now, not just doing the bidding of a shadowy crime organization. Can you do it, Narantia? But, but I'm Narantia. I'm small. Oh, but I'm so scared. I'm sweating up. Like... Liters of water from my body right now. Meanwhile, Fugo, there are some things that you can't do even if it's right. We're mobsters. It's always been a dirty job. Mm. Why does this matter? You've never met this woman before. Anyway, boat's leaving. Bye. <laughs> Narantia keeps going, oh God. Oh God, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. Narantia sees unconscious Trish dripping wrist blood over the boat and is like, <gasps> the wrist blood. Themes. She was abandoned. We were abandoned. I was abandoned. We were all abandoned by society. Oh my god, themes. I, I'm making fun of this, but um, I really do like this little... I had a very sort of clear image for mm. a moment of the musical adaptation of this. Where... Because... Okay. Because... You've got Narantia talking about like people being abandoned and how they need to come together as a result of it. Yeah. Meanwhile, Fugo doing the counter melody. He's doing his own little monologue about how like this is just some woman you've barely met. It doesn't even matter. Why would you ever team up with a traitor? You don't even know what kind of music she likes. Yeah. Would it, it reminded me of like you know confrontation in Lame Is. Yes. A song like that where they're singing over each other. Yeah. With like yeah, two yeah. opposing viewpoints. Yes. Yeah. I'm just imagining that. That'd be super cool. <laughs> if someone wants to make that, I wouldn't be against it. <laughs> so on the boat, they're like, well, we're leaving. Gonna put Trish in the turtle. Wait, Bruno, look. And Narantia is just swimming. He's not. No, you're wrong. What? He's not just swimming. He's swimming and yelling at the top of his lungs about themes. <gasps> He's doing that anime thing. <laughs> He's a powerful swimmer. Powerful swimmer. He's not only catching up with a motorboat, but he's yelling the whole time. You know what my favourite part of this is? He could at some point get his aeroplane to just sit in front and use the propellers. Oh, and to... pull himself along. Exactly. I don't know if it's strong enough to do that necessarily. Oh, uh, maybe. Every bit would help though. Kickboard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But no, he's swimming. He's like, no, Trish is me. I'm Trish. I'm coming with you. Her wound is my wound because we have all been abandoned by the people that we trusted in. And now we are making the choice to abandon the people that we turned to when we were abandoned for the one guy who was actually there for us, Bruno. I wrote this 800 word essay about the thematic implication of us being abandoned in JoJo's. And how can we, who have been abandoned by people, turn our backs on someone who now finds herself abandoned by all? Have we not learned lessons lessons from society? Are we not bad boys? Can we... <laughs> As he drowns. Yeah, he dies from too much theme narration. And Bruno looks on and goes, he was a good man. And off we go. They drag him onto the boat and they're like, oh, Narantia, we all respect you for this decision we've made. Turn and glare at Fugo. <laughs> Fugo's all like, no, 
No, this is wrong. I can't do this. No, I'm staying. I'm staying. I'm staying. I feel good about this decision I'm making. <laughs> big, big skyline scene as boat boats off into the distance and there's a phone call. <gasps> a phone call? Whoa. Like Metal Gear Solid. And a voice says, Squalo. We have some traitors to the organisation in Venice. Bruno Bucciarati and Giorno Giovanna. Kill them dead or alive. <laughs> Fucking Squalo. <laughs> This is an order straight from the boss. No. What? We're dealing with real people now. Whoa. Sorry, that's the end of that episode. Shit. Okay, so not even Rosotto Nero just showing up and being all like, hi, I'm Rosotto Nero. Still at large. What's he doing? (laughs) Where is he? What's keeping you, Rosotto? Did Araki just forget? No. That wouldn't be likely, would it? So, Nick. Yes. Highlights and lowlights for... The mystery of King Crimson. I liked the bit where, uh, you know what? This might not be the best highlight of the episode, but the one I want to mention is when Bruno's just right about to get completely fucked over by King Crimson. So he thinks he's outsmarted him, and then King Crimson's like, "No, no, I'm, I'm, I can just see through time." Mm-hmm. And then the turtle happens. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I just love that he can't see everything, and you get a glimpse into oh. So he can't predict the future unless he's really trying, you know? Otherwise he wouldn't have gotten caught into this trap. Or only mere moments ahead. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of fun just to be like, oh, oh, so he's still fallible. He's got some limitations. Yeah, it's quite fun. Even even when he's absolutely just wrecking your day, you can perceive that he's not omnipotent. Yeah, it's nice. It's not like with Dio where it was like, yes... No one knows what I'm doing. <laughs> and everyone keeps saying what a fearful power it is. Oh, we didn't clarify, but um, Bruno's goal in getting this boat is to put off learning the boss's identity. Uh, that's, that's priority number two now. Uh-huh. Well, actually, no. Priority one now is get away for now. Yep. Priority two, figure out what King Crimson's weakness is. Uh-huh. Priority three, boss's identity. Nice. Will we get through in those orders? Will we make our uh, way through that list one, I suppose two, we'll find out uh, in future episodes. My highlight is the whole boat theme scene. <laughs> you just love Narantia realising, but that's my motif. Well, I also like Fuko presenting like the counter-argument as everyone gets mm. on, being like, no, this isn't reasonable, it's not safe. You guys are idiots. Yeah, no, I do like that there's the whole, like, you can't let emotions take you over, which is why I'm letting emotions take me <laughs> over. And then Fuko's like, yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> It's a nice little little touch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think it's genuinely good storytelling, the mm. way that we've we've learnt each of these boys' backstories over the past bunch of battles, mm. uh, and they've become aware of a thematic link between their own lives and Trisha's current situation, which drives them to do the right thing. Except for Fugo. Fugo just stays in the back. He does his own thing. <laughs> no one wants to talk to him. No one wants to be talked to by Fugo. It's just... Fuck him. <laughs> Our low lights. My low light will have to be that death is just meaningless now. Like... Oh, Jono can just fix everyone? Not that. You know how we've had Mr. Death Steam and then come back to life? Oh, yes. And then we had... Who was the other person that Death Steamed and then came back to life? Bruno in this episode? <laughs> I mean, Bruno as well, but there was another one. It might have been Jono. I don't recall. There was another person who like started death steaming and then they just came back to life. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay. So now all these little... The established kids... visual language of the series is being turned on its head. Exactly. It's just like, oh, so that we, we established well, that they die and then they're not dead. Not to give too much away, um, but um, as, as you've almost certainly figured out, yes. there's... More going on with the Bruno death steam in this situation. Yes. Yeah, but it's just a bit like, oh, well, we could have killed him and it would have been a, a pivotal moment. But, yeah. Well, we've got a lot of chapters left and we, he's a cool boy. Yeah, he's marketable, so yeah. keep him alive. <laughs> it's kind of like how, I don't know, did you ever see Venom? No. I didn't either. Cool. But End I've, of story. But I've watched some of it and it is terrible, right? Because, like, there's no consistency in what's going on. Like, things like when someone is, like, being told, ah, oh, Venom has control of his body. He's, like, totally got control. Like, Venom is like, oh, I've got you now. I'm inside you. I can do what I want with you. And then later on, he's like, Eddie, don't do that. Stop. Stop. I can't control you. And you're like, well, which one is it? Is he, is he in control or not in control? 
Is Bruno dead or not dead? I haven't I need seen hard, clear lines. I haven't seen the movie, but I feel like the thing with Venom is probably they much like the underlying theme of Star Wars Episode One, the Phantom Menace, mm, a brilliant they, masterpiece. They develop a symbiosis and learn to work in concert. Oh, sure, and therefore become greater than the sum of their parts. Well, no, the problem is that if Venom clearly establishes, I can take you over whenever I want. And then can't. But is that not is that not part of the developing dynamic between the two of them? No. We haven't seen the movie. We can't say. I mean, we could do a bonus ep about it, but we probably won't. <laughs> Actually, no, you know what? I would watch it just to be like, oh, it's terrible. Let's watch it. Lowlights. That was your lowlight. What was mine? Yeah, what's your lowlight? My lowlight is the... Huh. Hard one. Good app. It is a pretty fucking good app. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of solid moments in there as well. I think my low light is probably the, um... I really liked the throw him into the sewer with the turtle gambit. Yeah. Uh, and it's a shame it just was entirely ineffectual and he was just immediately back. Well, but I like that. Because it's just... It doesn't you... establish his bona fides as a, as a threat. No, but at, at the same time, you kind of go, okay, we chuck him in the sewer. Yay, it worked. But then he's like, no, you. I just told you I can see but into the future. how did he get out of the sewer? Was he already out of the turtle yeah, by he was the time all... the turtle was chucked into the sewer? Yeah. He was just waiting in the darkness. He's a shadowy figure. <laughs> it's what he does. He had to pose at the top of the stairs. That takes time and effort, Liam. Time. Can't remember. <laughs> Although I do like... This This might be a weird observation, but I do like that the power of the boss lends itself to this animated medium more than... Like pages? Yeah, I think it is easier to see what's going on here in a in a um no, but it's kind of like, non-static medium. I was gonna say it would be a dynamic harder. medium. It would be harder to say, oh, they're just cutting away, as opposed to, oh, the time power happened. Because at any point, any discontinuities could either be, ah, oh, there was a discontinuity there, or, oh, there was a discontinuity there. Oh, you know. Didn't 100% track that, but sure. Like, you know, it's the difference between when you're reading the book. Mm-hmm. The book? <laughs> Anime. When you're reading the junior novelization Thank of you. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 5. Thank you. Uh, when you're reading the, yep, uh, the manga. That's the word I was going for. When you're reading the manga, you can clearly see, oh, he was there. He is now there. Time shit has happened. In this, at any moment, you're going to have to cut to different frames in motion. So as soon as they do any cut, it gives you an opportunity to just mess with the viewer's head. Right. Because they aren't looking at a page going... But if they did it all in one take, like the opening of Gravity... I haven't seen Gravity, (laughs) but I have seen Birdman. Well, that was just a joke about the fact that it's animated. Oh, I see. I see now. Um, So, Nick. (laughs) Yes. The game has changed. The gambit has been... We are no longer defending the boss's daughter from the Hitman team, though Risotto Nero remains at large. Who is he? Or rather, what is he? They have turned on the boss. Yep, they have. And Passione as a whole. Yes. Mm. He's called some big boys in to deal with them. Squallow. Trish is still (laughs) up in the mix. The boss wants them dead. Fugo remains behind on the dock. Mm. What will happen next time on Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, Vento Oreo, in the episode entitled Determination? What? Determination. Determinazione. Determinazione. <laughs> All lowercase, too. Hmm. Mm. What? <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Determination so- or resolve. Is that what it means? Probably not. I mean, uh, probably. I mean, probably. Yeah. I like how you started with probably not. But probably. <laughs> um, well, I'd like to think that it does mean but determination. especially Bart. <laughs> um, 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 okay, let's think. So, let's work through some action items. Bruno's maybe zombie, maybe not zombie. Yep. Don't know. So I reckon Jono's going to have a moment of, oh, that's a bit weird, but it's not going to get touched on. Yeah, come back later. Yep. Squallow. Squallow's after the gang. Yeah, not Squallow. <laughs> Who the fuck is Squallow and why is he named Squallow? Enemy stand user. I guess. What does it mean? What kind of food is it? We'll find out next week. Ooh. Um, so Squallow, hmm. I reckon we've had powers now that have been very weird, right? No. Like we had... We don't need a full list. We've got some stuff to get through. Yeah. Let's keep going. Okay, so he will also be weird. I don't know what, 
he'll be weird as because they're obviously heading away from Venice. Mm -hmm. So that he'll meet them on the land, I guess. They'll like get off the boat and be all like, okay, we've got to go somewhere, figure shit out. And en route to that location... He'll yeah, be so all like, I'm Squallow. Basic enemy, enemy stand user stuff. Yep. But I've got some more specific questions to okay. for you. Yep. Regarding Fugo. Fugo. So Fugo, I reckon he won't show up yet. He'll show up after the Squallow battle. Okay, and what will he do? He'll be all like, guys, I'm sorry. Now, I fucked up. Now I want to join you again. And they'll be all like, fuck off. You had your chance. If you wanted to join, you could have joined on the boat, but you missed the boat. No, Nick, um, I've got to tell you, um, outside of a uh, couple of flashbacks and cameos, that's a wrap on Fugo. That's a wrap on Fugo? <laughs> yeah. That's the end of Fugo? That's the end of Fugo. What? Such ends Fugo. That's it? So what happens with Fugo? Okay. Um, He's... Couldn't he couldn't bring himself to turn against the boss and betray the organization? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a bit of an interview quote which I'll get to in a sec regarding that. Okay, but um, the story of Fugo after this decision is played out in the um, the novel I referred to last week. Ah, um, the one that's semi-canon takes place six months after the rest of Gol- Golden Wind. Yep, entitled Purple Haze Feedback. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Um, and without giving away how this part ends, that's sort of um, the sort of the story of Fugo dealing with the the ramifications of the boss or, possibly or, or, dying. Well, or... of essentially betraying Bruno and friends here, mm. um, and uh, sort of worming his way back into not worming, uh, working his way back into their good graces. Definitely worming. <laughs> so he rejoins Bruno and crew. Well, or he tries to without giving away what happens at the end of part five. Right. Um, okay. Hmm. Sort of making amends. Yeah. 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 Right. Okay. Uh, now I want to talk a bit. I've got a, an extract here from um, the Bunkoban Volume Ten of Vento Oreo, uh-huh. uh, translated by Twitter user Macalion. Oh, is it Macalion or Marcellion? I don't care. You should. <laughs> uh, this is quite long, so I'm just going to do some excerpts and okay. the, the part five relevant ones because it also talks about Jodoro Kujo for a while. <laughs> So who's your favourite? Oh, D- Jodoro. Dio Brando, the enemy, represents both destiny and fate. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. Is this like an interview with Araki? No, this is a just a, a it's an afterword. Ah, I see, I see. While I was writing the fifth series, Vento Oreo, I kept asking myself, how should someone for whom the mere fact they were born is a source of sadness behave? Men can't choose how they come into the world. Some of them find themselves in happy families. Others grow up in terrible places from the first moment. So what should this second group of people do if destiny and fate were something already decided by gods or some kind of law that makes stars move in our vast universe? <gasps> like Stardust. This is Vento Oreo's main theme, and both the protagonists and their adversaries need to face it. Giorno, Bucciarati, Fugo, Narancia, Abacchio, Mister. Every single one of them grew up, or rather was forced to grow up, at the edge of society and family. Mm. The same can be said about Trish, really. Could they ever challenge fate, destiny, and change them? This was my most recurring thought while working on the story. We're getting to the point of this. Mm-hmm. Any comments so far? Uh, seems legit. Seems pretty in line with the stuff we've deduced about the themes of the part to date. Yep, yep. yep. We're smart. I was really down during that period for certain personal matters. What to do? If it were easy for humans to change them with just effort and will, destiny and fate would lose their meanings. It would be too easy. How could the protagonists fight against this sense of unavoidability? The answer, surprisingly, was given to me by the protagonists themselves. They don't try to change their destiny, and even in their situation, they choose not to give up their spirit's purity. Which is basically what we saw happen in this episode, I guess. Yep. They firmly believe that happiness and a sense of justice are the same thing. I mean, I'm the author. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, while I was writing, I ended up learning from my characters, and this is what truly gave me courage. In these times, thinking back, I feel I had the illusion of being accepted among them as a friend, more than just growing fond of the protagonists myself. Uh, and here we, here we are. We get to it, at last. Mm-hmm. There was one part in this fifth series I absolutely had to delete, though. An episode I couldn't write at all. Mm-hmm. In my head, the story went that between Mr. Narantia, Fugo and Abacchio, there would be a spy working for the boss and betray Giorno and Bucciarati. <gasps> at first, I decided this traitor to be Fugo, but I couldn't do it. <gasps> Ooh. My state of mind was so dark that the stories I wrote were becoming more and more evil, but in my heart, I was starting to hate this behaviour as time passed. 
Also, my heart broke just thinking about how Bucciarati would feel. <laughs> I absolutely can't understand betrayal from a trusted friend, and this is why just thinking about it physically hurt me. This sounds like he got a bit too involved in his <laughs> yeah. like, thought process. It's very real to him. Yes. I would have accepted any criticism saying that I hadn't had the guts to do it as an author. But I assure you, I couldn't write that episode no matter what. Maybe Jorno would have had to kill Fugo then, and I'm sure this would have given a really bad impression to my youngest readers. This is what lays behind that farewell scene in Venezia. With the publication of Vento Aurea's novel then, I was able to have a story written about how Fugo would continue to help his companions from inside the organisation. Ah, there you go. To conclude, allow me to say something to my characters. Thank you. You are the golden wind that blows during the most difficult and sad moments. Hot damn. Hot damn, Araki. So ended up reading a bit more of that than I expected to. You got very connected to that. Yeah, yeah, so... That's that's a wrap on Fugo. That's it for Fugo. Yeah. What the hell, man? <laughs> he was there, then he was gone. Then he was there, then he didn't want to be a sad trainer boy. So he just wrote him out. Yep. God damn. God damn. So he's just gone. He's just in the in the organization just, forever, but just gone. Yep. Not in the story in a meaningful way anymore. Hmm. Will we ever see him, but like Yes. Okay. Will we see him working? Like, for the organisation later? We'll have to find out, won't Ugh. we? I guess we will. Alright, let's wrap it up. Okay. JoJo's World. To be continued. Arrivederci. <laughs> <laughs>